If you have your Bibles and would turn with me, I am going to uh, read from two passages of Scripture, one found in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10, and then uh, I will read from the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 9. Timothy reads like this, Paul writing to a young man uh, in the Lord makes this statement about a guy by the name of Demas. Uh, He said, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Everybody say present this present world. Everybody say present. All right. Those of you that didn't do them, we'll give you one more chance. Everybody say present. Thank you. This present world. This present world. First, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 9. Uh, but I really need to draw attention to verses 4 through 8 because they set the stage for verse number 9. Verse number 4 talks about uh, the fact that we have been given exceeding great and precious promises and uh, everything that pertains to life and godliness. Uh, We've escaped the corruption that is in the world And we have been ushered into a new way of life. And then he goes into uh, a statement of growth. He said, beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse number 9. But he that lacketh these things, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forsaken or forgotten, forgotten that he was purged from his old Sins. He that lacketh these things, the previous things mentioned, the growth, the spiritual development, a person that lacks those things is blind and cannot see afar off. One translation says that he can only see that which is near. And I want to talk to you tonight about the danger of only seeing what is near. The danger of only seeing what is near. I think all of you would agree with me tonight that our vision is one of the most precious gifts that we have. Our ability to see with our natural eyes has opened to us a world that is wonderful and beautiful. Yet perhaps nothing 
is taken more for granted than our ability to see. I think more than what we would even want to admit. None of us woke up this morning, perhaps, and said, Thank you, Lord, that I can see. But we do see, and because of that, we our lives are blessed. One of my dearest friends, uh, after Hurricane Rita had torn his church to pieces, um, went through a very difficult time in his ministry and in his life because not only did he have a church that had been completely torn apart, uh, he developed uh, blindness from macular degeneration and at one point a detached retina. And so for uh, over a year or more, he could not see out of one eye. He was completely blind. I remember how it curtailed um, his uh, uh, his uh, routine that he could not drive at night and many of the things that he and I had been uh, connected together with were limited because he would not venture out in the evening. He lost sight and I would ask him from time to time if he had read this book and he'd read that and I, I, he, he would reluctantly say to me, no, no, I, I haven't been able to read. And then it dawned on me, my stupidity, I asked the wrong question, that uh, because of, of the uh, problem with his eyes, he was not able to read. And he had been such a voracious reader in his past life. And so it came because he lost his ability to see. How precious is our ability to see. Um, and I hope that somehow tonight I can convey to you what I feel in my spirit. But it's more than just being able to see is the ability to foresee. It's one thing to be able to look at the present situation and make a judgment or a decision that is based upon that, but it is extremely important that we be able to foresee, that we can look down the road, that we can see beyond the present moment. Because if we don't, we're going to be subject to many things that can be destructive to our life and can bring a lot of hurt and pain and suffering. The ability to see is so vitally important to our lives that without that ability, all of us, we would call ourselves handicapped, severely handicapped, because we could not see. And not just be able to see what is before us, but to see what could be or what is coming or what is down the road or even to see what potential is, what the potential of life is. I remember and, and I, I know that I've shared this story with you, but it came back to my mind uh, today when I was uh, finishing up preparing for for our Bible study, 
I remember the story about a man that was beloved by America in the 60s by the name of Art Linkletter. He had a program where children were interviewed and, and he, his program was children say the, uh, and I won't use the word, but he, you know, they say the, the, the most unique things. And he was uh, quite a figure in, in many homes and households and actually set the stage for a lot of the programming that goes on today. But there was a point in Art Linkletter's life when a friend of his came by and, and took him on a little trip. And he took him past all of the large buildings there in Southern California and took him out to this large, vast wasteland of grass and it looked like uh, deserted and had no potential. And, and the man began to tell him about his dream and he told, talked to him about what he saw in the future and he encouraged the reason that he brought Art Linkletter was so that he could encourage him to invest in this property. He was trying to tell him, show him that one of these days this land is going to be valuable. There's going to be hotels and there's going to be businesses that are going to be thriving here. Art Linkletter looked out at that vast wasteland and then he looked at his friend and he said, you know what? I don't know what you've been drinking. I, he didn't say it in those terms, but I don't know what you've been on, but I don't see what you're talking about. And so he refused to invest or buy that property. And the man that brought him there was Walt Disney. And the land that he was trying to convince Art Linkletter to buy was all of the property that was adjacent to his property that he saw in the future was going to be a land of opportunity. There were going to be hotels and people were going to come from all over the world. But because Art Linkletter could only see what was near, because he could only see what was here, what was obvious, he limited his life to a great degree. There is a grave danger tonight in us not seeing beyond the present moment. You can make a lot of foolish decisions. You can make a lot of miserable mistakes because you do not see beyond the present moment. And I don't want to get ahead of myself tonight, but there's something burning in me. It has been burning in me for weeks as this scripture has been eating on me and looking at where we are and, and knowing what some people are going through and what they're dealing with right now. I want to come to some people and I want to grab them by the shoulder and I want to shake them until their teeth rattle and say, Hey, can't you see beyond your nose? Can't you see beyond the present moment? Don't you realize what you're doing right now is going to have some long-term Benefits are long-term detriments to your life. It's because they can only see what is near. They only see what is present. Peter, in the book of Second Peter, is speaking to individuals who have been born again. They were those who have gone through an experience with God. And 
They'd gone through the conversion experience. They, the gospel was preached to them. They believed the gospel. And the gospel had an effect upon them. And they turned their life in the direction that God was calling them. But something happened. Something went wrong. And, and instead of them progressing and growing and developing... They became stagnant and they became solid in their spiritual experience. And instead of them becoming the people that God called them to be, they were mediocre. They, they, they lived below uh, mediocrity, really. And they missed so many of the blessings of God. And he talks about why they've missed it. You, you've not grown. You've not added anything to from that day of inception when you were born of the Spirit instead of you taking advantage of that and, 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 and learning from that and realizing what God had done in your life and what He was going to do in your life, you have allowed that to become uh, a shrine almost and you worship that experience but you've not gone on to know more about the Lord. You've not added to your life. You've not grown spiritually. You've not added to your faith. You've not added to your virtue. You've not added to knowledge. You've not added to temperance. You've been satisfied. There has been no serious attempt to strive for more and to become everything that the Holy Ghost says that you can be. Do you understand me tonight? That it only takes a moment for God to save a person. But it takes a lifetime for God to make a saint out of us. It doesn't take long for God to convict a heart and a person to realize they're in such a miserable mess. And then fill them with the Holy Ghost which is so full of potential and possibility. And that promises good things to come. But if we don't do something with what God invests in us. And we become absorbed in only the present. We will never become what God designed or wanted us to be. There was no growth. And they had never moved beyond. They had made no attempt to pluck up or to root out or to cast forth from their life those pleasing vices of the flesh to which they had been addicted. They had been saved. They had been filled with the Holy Ghost. But that didn't mean that they weren't going to still have a taste for those things that they had been called from. The, the lifestyle, the drugs, the drink, the this or the that. And so instead of growing and plucking that out because of the inspiration and the leadership of God's Spirit in their life and distancing themselves from that, they just became satisfied living with that and saw nothing beyond the present. There they were in fact no better now than when they first believed. As a matter of fact, in one sense they were worse off now than when they first believed. Because there were years that had passed. There should have been growth. There should have been development. And here they are. They're still bound by the same vices that the Holy Ghost delivered them from. They're still held by the same lusts that God delivered them from. They're still being influenced by the same attitude and the same spirit that the Holy Ghost said you can be free from.
I read that and I thought, God, I want to be honest. I want to know tonight, am I better off tonight than I was when you first saved me? Are you any better off tonight? Are you a better man or a better woman today than you were when God saved you? I would certainly hope that we could say yes to that. But the truth is that many, many, many times we are no better off today. We still battle the same lust. We still battle the same appetites. We still battle the same spirit. We still battle the same Whatever. Uh, we, we call it heredity. We, well, I was just born with that disposition. Well, you know what? You need to be unborn from that disposition because the Bible said that when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That means something that has never existed before has now come into existence in your life spiritually. So quit blaming heredity. Quit blaming your parents for your temper. There's some people that are still wrestling with the same wicked temper they had before they got the Holy Ghost. Because they've never plucked up, they've never rooted out, they've never grown spiritually because they are only absorbed with the present moment. All they're concerned about is what they can see right now. They don't see down the road. They don't see what's coming. They're not anticipating what tomorrow might bring. They are like Hezekiah who said, As long as it is well in my day, isn't that good? No, it's not good. Amen. They were no closer to God than when they first believed. And I wonder tonight if we are any better off tonight. I would hope so. What had they forgotten? Peter said, you have forgotten where you have been brought from. What have we forgotten? You know what? Some of us have been in the church so long, we forgot how vile and vulgar and dirty our life was. Doesn't mean we're any better off today, but we've forgotten What muck and mire God had to dig us out of. We forgot what kind of cesspool we were actually in when God had to reach down and pull us out of that. And he said, you've forgotten. The world had asserted its influence in their lives and its desires and its fleeting delights counted more to them and had more influence over them than the spiritual life that God had called them to. They only saw what was near. They were victims of moral and spiritual short-sightedness. I want to talk to you tonight about a vanishing vision that is prevalent in our world today. I was thinking when God began to speak to me about this verse, how our world has, in, in, even though it, it, it's, it's an oxymoron, We have more access to more information easier and quicker than we've ever had in the existence of mankind. At the click of a button, at the stroke 
of a, a, a key. You can go from one side of the world to the other. You can communicate with somebody on the other side of the world via the internet. You can Skype. You can Facebook. You can communicate in so many ways. And there is such a vast world of intelligence out there that, that is available to us today. And yet, and I hate to use this term, but we are dumber today than we've ever been. How many of us in past times, before we got a cell phone, had people's numbers memorized? We didn't have to look at our cell phone to tell somebody what somebody else's telephone number or what their house number, but our world because of the now, because of what's available at the present, has caused us to become lazy in our mind. Maybe I should say that rather than... It's caused us to be... I'm guilty. I, the other day, somebody called me for a number, and I said, you know what? I hate to tell you, but I'm going to have to hold... I'm going to have to put you on hold while I look up that number of somebody that I should know by heart. But I don't know it because... Of the access and the ease of which life has come to us. You know what's wrong? We're just caught up in the now. Now I'm gonna, I, that makes everybody uncomfortable because we're all guilty of that. We're all we all had more stored knowledge. You don't have to store it anymore. It's stored for you. As a matter of fact, television. You don't even have to think anymore. Television thinks for you. Do you know what they say, what psychologists say about most sitcoms? Sitcoms actually think for us and they make decisions for us without us even unconsciously knowing that it's being done. Because of the life that they, they portray. I mean, you think about it. How many smart men are portrayed on television anymore Every man that's usually portrayed on sitcom nowadays is a buffoon. He's a bumbling idiot. He doesn't know his top from his bottom. He doesn't know head from tails. He doesn't know whether he's washing or hanging out to dry. And, and I mean, it, you know, and kids, children rule. I mean, whatever they decide, that's what mom and dad do. I know you came to Wednesday night service expecting this kind of preaching. That's why I'm going to preach it. The danger of seeing only what is near. Modern inventions have weakened us to where we focus only on the here and now. The only thing that matters to us is what is going on right now. And what a tragic and dangerous way to live. There are some people who are making choices and decisions today that are based upon expediency or convenience that they cannot imagine the consequences of those decisions down the road. They are making choices tonight and they are making decisions tonight that are based on present need or present desire and they are not looking down the road at what that kind of decision and what that kind of choice will bring into their lives not looking down the road to see what will become of that decision 
We just, it's easy, it's expedient, it's, you know, it's, it's, there, it takes a lot of pressure off. And so we do it without thinking what happened. That's why some people are in debt up to their eyeballs is because they only see what is near. They only see what they want now. And they don't realize that at the end of that 12 months of no interest, they're going to double kick you in the gut. And so we're lured into this world that we can have it now and pay for it later. And what's happened even to our nation, our world right now, the reason our economy is in the tanks is because we have lived like that as a nation and as a people far too long. We want it now, we'll pay for it later. We're all guilty of that to some degree. We are all guilty of not thinking about what the consequence... I'm going to tell you something tonight that many of you are going to roll your eyes at and you're going to think, oh God, don't bore me anymore, Brother Hughes. But there are things in my life that I have not done. Not because I didn't want to do them. Not because it wasn't convenient to do them. Not because it would not have been pleasurable to do them. But I didn't do them because of my fear of what it might lead to. Now you can call me old fashioned and this kind of preaching is old fashioned. Some of you have already tuned me out. Some of you that need to be listening to me aren't even listening to me right now. We are a world that's gone mad on now. All we're concerned about is what's going on right now. What I want right now. What I need right now. Whether it's right or wrong doesn't even factor into the equation many times anymore. It's just what I want right now. What makes me happy now. What makes life easier now. The reason many people are in the mess that they're in right now is the same reason Peter was addressing a church he said you've lost sight of what comes you've lost your vision you've lost your ability to see not just the present but to foresee what is down the road and because of that your life has been stymied and your growth has been limited one of the lowest points of Hezekiah's life came after one of the greatest victories in his life Hezekiah was a king of Israel the Bible said that for part of his life he did that which was right. But he became sick, sick unto death. The prophet said, you're going to die, Hezekiah. And if anybody knows their Bible, they know that when the prophet of God left that room, he turned his face toward the wall and he began to plead and intercede with God. God, let me live. I don't want to die. There's too much at stake. There's a future. There's children. And God heard him and God healed him and gave him 15 years more to his life. And the very next verse after God healed him and added 15 years, the Bible said, that the king of Babylon, his enemy, the country and the company of people that despised his God and his way of worship and his way of living, that king sent him letters and sent him presents because he had heard that he had been sick and wanted to come and visit him. And Hezekiah, 
was foolish enough to believe what his enemy was telling him. I just want to come and pay a visit. Congratulate you on your recovery. And so the king comes. And Hezekiah is so intoxicated on what he has right now. He's got gifts he hadn't had before. He's got letters of recommendation from a king, a mighty king of Babylon. Babylon that was basically the entirety of the rest of the world. And here was Israel, just a small... And here Hezekiah is with all of this at his disposal. And he is so intoxicated on the moment that the Bible said he showed to the king of Babylon the entirety of his house. Go read it in 2 Kings. He showed him the whole house. He showed him the anointing oil. He showed him the treasures that were in the house. Every precious thing that God had given to Hezekiah, Hezekiah opened the door to his enemy and showed his enemy what he had in his house. And then the Bible said, the man of God came back and said, Hezekiah, what have you done? And Hezekiah doesn't even blink an eye. He said, I, I showed them the whole house. I, I, I gave them a grand tour. I brought them into the treasure house. I showed them everything. I wonder sometimes what we have shown our enemy. There was nothing that he had not held back from this known enemy of Israel. He showed his treasure. Even though they came in peace, he failed to see that they were still his enemy. He lost his house. No matter how the devil comes, listen to me. He comes as an angel of light. He's still my enemy. He's still my enemy. I've read stories, and I'm sure you have too, but one fable or or one parable, so to speak, that was written years ago was about this scorpion that had come to the edge of the water and was trying to get across, but he couldn't get to the other side. And and so a turtle comes along, and, and the scorpion begins to converse with the turtle. Hey, I wonder if you could help me get across to the other side. And the turtle said, oh, no, I know you. You're a, you're a scorpion. You'll hurt me. You'll sting me. He said, oh, no, 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 no. No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to somebody helping me. And, and so the conversation went on for a while. And finally the scorpion broke the turtle's will down until he decided, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a passage. And so the scorpion crawls on his back and about halfway across, he just reaches out and stings him with everything he's worth. And the turtle, as he's drowning, says, why did you do this to me? You said you wouldn't do this. I I trusted you. And the scorpion's response was, you knew what I was when you let me on your back. Listen to me, church. Whether the world tells us this or whether we even believe it or not, there's still a devil that is out to destroy everything good in your life. 
And he does it more often not by some out and out sin, but by getting you absorbed in the moment, in the right now. God, I just, I've got to have it now. I don't care about tomorrow. I don't care about next week. I don't care about what the consequences are. I want to be happy now. And so we do this. I want to be happy now. So we cross this boundary. I deserve. I've had this said so many times it makes me want to puke. I deserve this in my life. And so that justifies me crossing a boundary. I, I have a right to this. And we show our house to our enemy. And then we wonder why the enemy comes back in and takes our children and takes our families and takes the things that we love the most. And the crazy thing about it was that Hezekiah's response to all of that was, well, Lord, as long as it's well in my day. Listen to me. The Word of God said, this enemy that you've let in your house, this enemy that you showed all the treasure, this one that you trusted, listen to what he's going to do. He's going to take your sons and he's going to make eunuchs out of your sons. You know what a eunuch is? A eunuch is a man that has no ability to reproduce. And if he cannot reproduce, he has no future. And if he has no future, he has no hope. And, and, and God said to Hezekiah, because of the foolishness of you living only in the moment, your children's future is going to be taken away from them. You may think you're doing them a favor tonight. You may think you're making them happy tonight. But there are decisions that parents are making tonight that down the road are going to cause hell and havoc in their lives and in their children's lives. Because we don't have the guts to be parents anymore. We want to be friends. God didn't call me to be a friend to my children. He called me to be a parent. Parenting is hard. It's not easy. And there's times that you want to be a friend. And there's times that you feel like you need to be a friend. But you need to think about where that kind of decision leads. What is it going to produce? The man of God questioned him about where he had sent or where he had allowed his enemy to come into. And he said everything. And eventually the enemy came in and did everything that Isaiah said was going to happen. All of those things came to pass. Listen, church, we need to wake up and realize that there are consequences to our decisions and there are consequences to our lack of decisions. There are some people that are sitting here tonight that may say, well, Brother Hughes, I'm not making any bad choices, but you're not making any choices. You're not taking a stand. You're not saying, you know what, we're not going to do that in our house. We're not going to do that in this home. I, I told my kids a long time ago, when they got to a certain age, they could do whatever they wanted to do. I just, and, and they got mad at me at times, but I said, you know what? If you want to go out and be a fool out there and do that, I love you. I'm your parent. I'm always going to love you, but you're not bringing that into my house. I'm not letting that come into my home. 
And I've had to remind them several times since then. I don't care if you want to live like the devil and you want to sell your soul to the cheapest bidder that comes along. I'm just telling you, you're not going to let that. That's not coming into my house. And a lot of us today, a lot of parents today are just not making any decision and they're just letting things develop. They're just letting things unfold. Listen to me. There's a danger in not looking down the road. There's a danger in not seeing where that's leading. Where are we going? That's what, that's what haunts me today as a church, as a pastor of this church. There are times that I wake up in the middle of the night and I think, God, where are we going as a church? When I look around, I see young couples that are connected to the church, but they're not connected to God. I see young people that come to church, but they're, they're, there's just not that feeling of, 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 of this is my life, this is my future. And I look around and I see even middle-aged people that allow that thing that connected them so closely to the church to allow to slip away and become lax and loose and, and, and we come and we go and we're here and we're there and we sometimes we're faithful and sometimes we're not and I'm thinking God where in five years time what is this church going to look like and you can tell me I'm narrow minded that's alright I've been called worse than that but we better open our eyes and think about where we're going and what, where our decisions are taking us and where our choices are leading and what it's doing to our church and to our family and to our future. Praise God. There are serious losses. Listen to me. There are serious losses that come to people as a result of being short-sighted. First of all, it deprives you of many things. When all that you live for is the present moment, it deprives you of many, many important things. Future peace. Listen to me. Future peace is lost in the present moment. Future victory is lost in the present moment. Future joy, future safety, future health is lost in the present moment. But more than anything, what struck me when I began to think about this was that what is lost in a time like this is the balance of life. That when all you live for is the present moment, you make a lot of poor judgments. Because there's a lot of things that look good at the moment. It's like that guy that married that girl and man at the wedding. She just was radiant and beautiful and she could sing like a nightingale. And she sang to him and she wooed him and he was so smitten. Next morning after the honeymoon he woke up. Roll over and there was this woman with curlers in her hair and matting in her eyes and bad breath. And he said, honey, sing, baby, sing. We got to remember what it is that's 
that, that, that we're doing in some time, the present moment, oh, it, it looks grand and glorious, and, and, but, but it, it, t- there's something coming that we're not going to like. But more than that, it's the balance that life. You cannot live a successful life when everything you do is based just on right now. Because right now can be very deceiving. Depends on where you're looking. Some of you think I'm pretty good and some of you think I'm pretty bad. But when you get your back against the wall, I'm going to look like a million dollars. I've had people that have fought me when I... (laughs) My years have passed. I've had families that have fought me and fought me and everything they could do to create tension and stress for a pastor. They've done it, whether they intentionally did it or not. But as soon as a crisis came into their life and their back was against the wall, I became their best friend. You see, there's a balance in life that's lost when we live only for right now. Because it takes a larger look to realize that it's not as bad as we think it is. Life's not as hard as we think it is. I mean, come on, church. My Lord. I hear people say, oh, brother, it is so hard. Why don't you tell that to Abraham Lincoln? Why don't you tell that to somebody in the 1700s? Why don't you tell that to The caveman. Oh, it's so hard. I just, it's so unfair. It's just not right. I can't do this. I can't do that. Why don't you tell that to somebody else? The truth is, it takes time for you to be able to really appreciate. And it took me a long time to realize this. It takes years before you really come to understand life. That's why God gives children when you're young and grandchildren when you're old. Because then you can really enjoy and understand. And you've gone through some things. But when you're raising your own kids, sometimes it makes you want to blow your brains out. It makes you want to just walk off a cliff and not look back. Why? Because you don't know what to do. We're so absorbed in the moment. But when you get down the road a little bit and you look back over your life, you realize that it really wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? I know I'm talking to myself. We are too caught up in the moment and it deprives us of so much. The balance that comes to life. You know, one of the, I've told you this the other night, but one of the greatest bits of wisdom that Brother Johnny Harrell ever gave me was He said, Mark, don't ever get too high and don't ever get too low. Now, to some people, that's a boring way to live. But I've learned this. There are some people that enjoy ping-pong living. Their life is like a boom, boom. It's like one of them crazy balls that they used to sell. You could throw it down, and depending on how the rubber hit the road, it bounced that way, back that way. There's some people that love, they, they, they wear me out. And they look at me and they think, man, you live such a boring life. I'm going to tell you what, it may look boring to you, but it sure has a lot of peace in the end. There's a lot of things I haven't had to look back on and say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't gone there. I wish I... There's a lot of things that when you look back over life, you realize, you know what? 
Ah, God was with me. God kept His hand on me. Listen to me. There's a danger of you being caught up in the present moment. If you're not careful, you begin to judge life by what's going on right now, and that's not a good judgment of life. Because for some of you, right now is the best time of your life. And for some people, it's the worst time of your life. But if you base your life on this moment, you will be deceived on how the outcome is going to be. Because nobody is going to make it to heaven that hasn't had some mountains and valleys to go through in their life. Nobody is going to heaven that hasn't been through the fire. But if you're not careful when you're in the fire, you give up. You quit. God doesn't love me. I hate the church. Nobody understands me because we're caught up in the moment. Think about it. Listen to me. The origin of sin. Eve in the garden that God had created for her and her husband that had everything she could want. He said the only thing I don't want you messing with is the tree of life, but everything else is yours. And one day, the serpent, who was more subtle than any beast of the field, came along and began a conversation, engaged her in a conversation. And he began to focus on what? The moment. Now, you know that this fruit is good for knowledge and it's going to make you like God. And Eve got so deluded by the moment that she lost sight of what God had said about the future. And she takes and she gives to her husband and there is the beginning. And it's repeated over and over and over and over and over again. It isn't too many generations later that two boys are born, Jacob and Esau. And Esau comes in from the field one day and he is dying of hunger. He is famished. And he allows the smell of the moment to overcome him. He allows the smell of the pottage to overwhelm him. And he gives away his birthright for one moment that he came back later. And the Bible said he wept and he repented, but he never could find a way to restore and undo what he had done in that one moment. That's why I'm telling I'm not trying to scare anybody here tonight. I'm not trying to be paranoid. I'm just trying to wake some of us up and make us open our eyes and look around and look beyond the present moment. It's not as bad as we think it is. It's not as horrible. It's not as, it's not as ugly as we think it is. If we will just woman up or man up and be what God called us to be, we'll make it. Short-sightedness not only deprives you of a lot of things, but it will penalize you. There are many defeats that come to life because we are looking only at what is near. We can't see down the road. 
we can't see the consequences. Listen to me, church. There are just some things. Please don't do it. Listen to this preacher. I beg you, please don't do some things. Please. Wake up and listen to me one time tonight and realize that there's some things that I must not ever do. Because once I do them, the short-sightedness of the moment brings penalties and the repercussions that last for years and years and years. Bad decisions. There's a grave danger of only seeing the present, only seeing what's here, basing our judgment on the information of what we see near. Because what we see near is not the whole picture. They tell me that the only way you can really enjoy a great painting is to step away from it so you can see the whole picture. Because only when you step away and see the entirety of the picture that you see the background and you see the foreground and the mixture of the two make it but I've been, through, I've been through the Louvre in Paris. And I will tell you that I, I got up real close to some of those drawings. And when you get up real close, you lose the, you, you lose the effect of the picture. You, you lose. It, there may be something intriguing about one part of it. But when you get up there, you lose sight of so much. And so it takes stepping back. You, you have to be able to get away from it. And then you see the grand picture. If you're not careful, you can focus on that one guy that's got his sword drawn. And he looks like he's got a death wish on his life. And he's going down for the last time. And you don't see on the other side that army that's coming to his rescue. You don't see the victory. Why? Because we get focused on the moment. I'm, I'm beating this thing down in the ground tonight, but I want to beat it deep. There's a danger in seeing only the present. Short-sightedness is really a problem of all of us. We lack vision many times. More often than not, we lack outlook. What looms nearest looms largest. We have no eyes for the distant, the future, the far off. And we need to lift our eyes. Such is perilous. Some of our worst battles come because of this one thing. Many lives are ruined. Many futures are lost. And many hopes are blighted because we fail to see beyond the present moment. And I'm hurrying to a close. Stand with me if you will. I preach longer than I normally preach on Wednesday night. Or, but I feel like... I'm talking to a church that needs to hear. What we need to save us is a clarified vision, a longer look, a wider scope. This is the prayer that I am praying. God, anoint my eyes with eye salve that I might see. Because that word was spoken to a church that was rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. Had need of nothing. They had everything. They had it all. And yet God looked at them and saw a completely different picture. He said, you're blind, you're naked, you're afar off. He said, what you need is I said. 
eye salve that will help open your eyes so that you can see. The Bible said of Demas, the first introduction we have of Demas, Paul introduces him as a fellow laborer, a fellow laborer. That's quite a statement. Demas was a fellow laborer. That means Paul viewed Demas as an equal. He viewed him on the same level. That's, to me, that's one of the greatest compliments that Paul could have leveled against anyone. The second time you read of Demas' name mentioned in Scripture, Paul only said, and Demas. The last time, the third time, Paul said of others, and Demas hath forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world. Think about it. Think about all that Demas lost for this present world, just for this moment. And I'm wondering, God, what are we losing as families? What, what are our children losing because we as parents... Am I, am I getting too close to home tonight? The consequences, the doors that are opened, the things that we allow into our lives become many times our downfall. Would you please hear this preacher tonight? Please don't buy into the lie that what you see is all there is. There's a whole lot more. If you're not careful, you're not careful. We can become like Demas after having had such a wonderful beginning and been so close and so involved and so a part of. We can become so absorbed in the present moment that we lose all of that. And something attracted Demas in the present Something about the present overwhelmed his past and his future. Oh, the danger of only seeing what is near. It'll cause you to give up too soon if you only see what's near. It will. It'll cause you to quit too soon. It will cause you to give in too easily. You base your life on only what you see that is near. It will cause you to give out too quickly. God help us tonight. Touch our eyes. Touch our eyes that we can see. Beyond the present moment. There are people today that are wrapped in hopelessness. There, there are marriages that are engulfed in a spirit of hopelessness because people are focused simply on the present. Amen. There are families that are in turmoil tonight all over our world and in, even in this church and in our family that are connected, that are in turmoil tonight because somebody has only seen what is near and they're only doing what is convenient or easiest to do. 
Taking a stand for right is not always going to be easy. As a matter of fact, it will never be easy to do right. Because there's a world out there that's trying to convince us that all that matters is right now. You can have it your way. You can have it your way. From fast food restaurants even to the most exclusive stores in our world, they operate upon what you see right now. And they try to keep us focused only on what we see right now. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, if all we see is the present moment, we'll give out. We'll give out too quickly. We'll give up too soon. We'll give in too easily. Thank God for the wisdom that God has given to us to hold on, to persevere. And that only comes from spiritual growth. That only comes when you add to your life. It doesn't come just because you talked in tongues. It doesn't come just because you were baptized in Jesus' name. It comes because you allowed what God started to grow and develop and you added to your life. Your life grew and as your life grew, wisdom came and knowledge came and patience came and love came and all of those things were necessary and needful to help you see beyond the present moment. Bow your heads with me right now. God, my heart is heavy tonight, and I know that perhaps this is too heavy a message to be delivering on a Wednesday night, but I know what I felt in the Holy Ghost, and I know what you're speaking to us tonight. Open our eyes, Lord. Open my eyes. Help me to see beyond the present moment, to see beyond the pleasure that is being provided at this moment to see down the road what those decisions will produce and what they will bring not only into my life but into my children's lives and my family. God, help me tonight. If I've made some mistakes to get back to that altar and allow you to anoint my eyes with eyesight, that I might see. Lord, the greatest blessing in all the world is to be able to see. To be able to see not just the moment, but the future, the past. To remember where you brought us from. To remember where you're taking us. And to realize that whatever the moment may be, whether it's good or bad, it's not the total picture. It's not the story. There's more to come. God, there are people that are mired in failure right now. They're mired in mistakes right now. That if they would just turn their face toward you, if they would just turn their heart toward you and allow you again to touch them and to touch their eyes, they would begin to see again they would be able to look beyond the present moment. 
would not be hopeless. They would not be helpless. But they would feel the strength and the touch of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Touch somebody right now. Touch that mother, Lord, that's struggling, that dad that's struggling. Touch, touch every man, every woman, every young person, every child, Lord, every couple. Touch them right now. Lord, I feel the pressure of the enemy. I, I sense the presence of the enemy. I sense his presence, Lord. I, I sense an enemy that is saying all the right things and presenting all the right things, all of the things that appeal to our appetite. Awaken us, O God. Awaken us, O God. Awaken us, O God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Would you do me a favor and would you do yourself a favor? Just reach over and take somebody by the hand that's with you and let's pray together right now. Come on, I want everybody to pray in this building right now. I want everybody to pray. Lord, I, I need you. I need you tonight. I need your touch. I need an anointing on my life. I, I need my eyes to be touched. I need my eyes to be touched. I need that I say. I need that healing balm tonight. I need it tonight, Lord. I need it tonight, Lord. Hallelujah.